Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cats podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here with another amazing guest, another one of my just favorite people who is so giving and caring and talented and dedicated. And I was so excited that she was interested in coming on the show. And we had a, an absolutely wonderful conversation that we're going to get to in just a moment. A couple of quick house cleaning things. Uh, the album Dreamscape is now available all over the place. Amazon, iTunes, Google Play for however much longer Google Play is going to be open. Spotify, I believe it's also hit um, Pandora, I want to say, iHeartRadio, um, Napster, all over the place. Like this one really, my new distributor is fantastic. They send it absolutely everywhere. So if you haven't heard it yet, please check it out. It is a collection of some of my earliest instrumentals that I wrote, somewhat cleaned up from the original versions where I used to be a very repetitive composer. If something was fun to play, I just kept playing it and recorded it. And that was how I wrote songs back then. I'm hopefully a little more knowledgeable now. Once I saw how great this distributor was, I, uh, went through them to release another album of mine that really wasn't able to get out there previously because my previous distributor said that I'm not allowed to title songs the way that I title them. They had an issue with that. So my new distributor had a kind of issue with it, but I found a workaround with them that worked. I just changed the way I wrote the title, but it's the same freaking title. Um, so this is the Romance for Piano album, which is a collection of 10 pieces that I wrote uh, over the years of piano music. That's sort of uh, what I felt was romantic slash erotic, whatever, uh, however you want to feel it. And uh, it was inspired by Beethoven's Violin for Romance Number no. 2. Um, I didn't like Violin Romance 1 as much. Uh, violence, violin Romance Number no. 2 just really, really... Um, it was a huge piece for me, it had a really big impact on me. And to this day, whenever I, I listen to it, um, I just like the, the world kind of melts away. It's one of those pieces for me that I can just go to and not really care about what else is happening uh, around me. So uh, it's one that you might want to check out if you like violin music, if you're a fan of Beethoven or classical. It's just a, a beautiful piece. And um, so anyway, that's where I got the idea to do the album. And then I just started writing some piano pieces. Some are just pianos. Some have some orchestration with them. But everything's mostly focused focused around uh, the piano. So that is also available on Amazon and uh, everywhere except for iTunes uh, and Apple Music because they have an issue with classical music apparently on the whole. Uh, my distributor said they are no longer taking classical music, so it will not be there. But uh, it was never destined to get anywhere else prior. So now it is on Amazon, Spotify, uh, and, and slowly popping up in other places. So I'm very, very grateful to get that out there. If you like the music, some of those pieces are available as sheet music on sheetmusicplus.com, which is a very, very nice resource for uh, anyone who wants to get sheet music. Um, it was They're very easy to work with, and they have a lot of great pieces on there, uh, well-detailed, great quality so go in and check them out if you are a sheet music type of person. Uh, what else? So I'm going to begin working on the next album here shortly. I keep finding things that get in the way of me starting uh, all business oriented, though. Like, oh, you know what? I should do this really quick and I should do that really quick. And oh, this site's going to be changing. So I need to modify what I'm doing. And oh, I need to update my website with some more of these links and things like that. So um, as excited as I am to start the new album, um, I definitely want to get the house clean first, because when I start working on an album, I really like to not have a bunch of stuff in my way, you know, other things looming over me and things to think about. I, I like to just be able to focus on the album itself and um, 
And so that's what I'm doing. I'm clearing that path. Um, it's been a very successful process for me over the years. Uh, what, 27 albums in, um, I feel very confident that that's a, a, a good way for me to go. Some people work great in clutter. And in a lot of ways, I do work well in clutter, but not when it comes to writing. I like to have a, a pretty clean plate when it comes to that. So uh, so that's happening. We're heading into fall, which I will be very excited about. Uh, there will not be a new Haunted Holidays album this year. Um, not sure what I'm going to do for Halloween quite yet, if, if anything. Um, got a little bit of an idea for Christmas. But uh, who knows? Time will tell. Right now, the focus is going to be on the album. Last thing, um, I in the episode where I did the album review for Deep Purple's new album, Whoosh, there were some problems with the YouTube distribution on that. And it's interesting because this podcast goes out all over the place. It doesn't hit every single place. It doesn't hit Stitcher, uh, but it does hit a lot of places. It's on Spotify. It's on Google Play. It's on iTunes. It's on uh you know, uh, Podbean, which is my host, which connects then to my website where it plays the, the 10 most recent episodes. Um, it's it's everywhere. And so there was an issue where uh, my distributor doesn't uh, upload to YouTube. I have to do that manually now. So I made the manual file, uploaded it to YouTube and then got slapped with copyright claims because I used short clips of the songs from the album. Now, I did not play the full song. It was a few seconds uh, I think it was, I think I cut it at 15. There was no more than 15 seconds of any song. Um, but I got hit with the copyright claim the same and it's all digital. It's it's these electronic spotters that are out there that as soon as something hits and it runs through their engine, it just flags it. It's not even necessarily the company making a complaint. It's the software that says, hey, uh, this might be copyright issues. If you're doing any kind of monetization, then there's going to be an ad that might appear in front of that. Or if you're not, there still might be an ad because it's somebody else's material. It's just a big mess. So uh, it was a fairly popular uh, episode on YouTube and it, it might be taken down. It might not. So what I've done is I've just recut the episode without the music. I didn't re-edit it. I did a little opening doing an explanation as to why I was doing a re-upload of the, of the podcast. And um, that is now available on YouTube as well. I don't know if the original will still be there by the time this comes out or if it's ever going to be taken down or what the deal is. But I thought it better to just do the rebroadcast if the original one comes down then the other one is still available and they can't complain about anything if there's no audio clip in it. So I've taken out the short clips of songs. It's really weird because I've seen so many people just use straight up songs, full songs, no dialogue or anything over it. So you could just rip it and have that song. And there's no, uh, you know, there's, it's still available and it's available year after year after year. And then other times it's, and I know the software changes, the spotters change, but it's just really weird because I've seen some videos that stay up forever and others that, you know, as soon as there's even the slightest uh, idea that there might be a copyright issue, um, it just gets flagged right away. And maybe those have been flagged and just never taken down. I don't know. But the whole thing is kind of a ridiculous process. If you're using a short clip, if what you're doing is is obviously media broadcasting, uh, it was always considered that it was allowed. Uh, but the software itself is not allowing for that. It's just saying, hey, hey, somebody's using your stuff. Get over here. So I... I am very, very respectful of all copyright. I have tons and tons of music out there that obviously I don't want people just using my stuff without permission. And I don't feel that's what I was doing. I feel that in the journalistic sense, using short clips to help promote something, 
um, you know, making people aware of it. I don't really think that's infringing on copyright. I think what's infringing on copyright is all those people that just play the full song with no other sounds over it so that it can just be ripped and, and listened to without buying the album. That is copyright infringement. But I have to go with how the software works today. Now, I have talked to people that are have, have assured me that some of these things are in the works of being changed. The spotters are, are being, I don't know if it's reprogrammed or being reworked or what it is, but this all may be changing down the road. Hopefully there is some sort of journalistic um, acceptance for people who are doing reviews and things like that. But um, anyway, I, I have to work around the parameters. I didn't want to lose the episode, so I just decided to recut it would be the best thing. If the original, uh, I will leave the original up there until it's taken down. If they take it down, that's out of my control. Uh, but I will leave it up there with the clips, but also offer this alternative version that no one's going to take down. So anyway, that's what happened with that. And so if you're wondering why there are two versions of it on YouTube or only the repost, that is the story. Now, getting back to it, I'm, I'm a little more familiar with the album now, and I love it even more. Um, I really, I, I struggle to find anything bad to say about it, to be honest. I think it's a fantastic album. It's very eclectic. It's uh, it's worth listening to. And, I, and congratulations to Deep Purple, who have hit number one in numerous countries, top 10 in numerous other countries, and, you know, in the U.S., I think it got into the top 20. And because, uh, you know, we tend to think of these bands as all they, they did is the songs that we know back in the 70s or the 60s. It's kind of weird. I don't I don't understand why uh, people in the U.S. seem to view things that way. Or maybe it's just that there's other uh, more popular music now that takes over the charts. I don't know. But in any case, they didn't uh, they didn't make it quite up as high in the U.S. charts, but they did crack the top 20, which, you know, for a 50 year old band, that's that's pretty amazing, I, I have to say. But uh, Germany, number one, three albums in a row. And that was pretty awesome. So congratulations to the guys in Deep Purple. Very, very excited about that. And so, uh, you know what? That's uh, that's all there is to say about all of those things. I will continue to listen to and love the album. Now, on now, I'll, oh, uh, before we start the show, there is one other thing now that I'm thinking about it. Despite all of this, I've actually been considering doing a, maybe an album review a month. I think that might be kind of fun. So if there's an album that you'd like me to review that sounds like it would be fun to me, uh, then maybe I'll go ahead and do it. So feel free to reach out to me at scott at scotthaskin.com. And uh, or you can send me a message on the, you know, the Facebook page or, or any of those places. I don't have access to all the details for all of the outlets for the podcast. So I can tell you that the best place to contact me is to write me at scott at scotthaskin.com. That goes right to me. I'm the only one that modifies that or mo- moderates that email box. So uh, that will get directly to me. Uh, apart from that, um, you could try reaching me through those other outlets. I do run the Facebook group, but uh, I don't there's some issue with, I don't think I'm getting all the messages that come through. So your safest bet is to just email me there. Now I have for you today, an absolutely wonderful guest. I love Sandy Kim. She is such a dedicated artist. She's always there for other artists. She's always promoting them, uplifting them. She's a, just, just a paragon of who you would want to be on a project with. And I, I love people like that. I love people that have that mindset of, Yes, I'm working for myself, but we're all a team. We're all trying to get there. There's people that I want to support. There's people that are doing great things. I want to be a part of that and help boost that uh, awareness up to the public. So uh, I, I absolutely adore Sandy for all of those things and for her immense hard work that she does to build herself up as an artist and maintain her chops and keep things going, especially in times right now where there aren't a lot of opportunities to actually act 
and keep your chops up. You know, it's it's like we talk about in the episode, you know, when you're an athlete and your sport is off season, you don't just sit there and, and wait. You got to stay in the gym. You got to do all the things that you need to do to maintain. And creative chops are no different. You have to maintain those. So we had a, a completely unexpected uh, conversation. We went into all kinds of things and and we really didn't have an agenda when we started. I just said, you know, let's come on the show. Let's have a show and talk and we'll see where it goes. And uh, and I think it went to some wonderful places. She gives some great information and she's just so lovely to talk to and listen to. So without further ado, the wonderful Sandy Kim. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have a wonderful guest for you on the show this week. One of my favorite people on the planet. She's very talented, lovely human being, very caring, really likes to help other people in the business. And I I absolutely love that about her. And she's really talented and cool. So here she is without further ado, Sandy Kim. Sandy, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Scott? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for taking some time out of life to come talk with me for a while. Well, that was like an amazing introduction. I'm like super excited. I was like, wait, who is he talking about? <laughs> well, you pretty much. <laughs> and it's all true. You, you're you one of those people that really likes to uh, help everyone else. And, and I love that. And you don't really go out of your way to draw attention to you in the process of it. It's very just honest. And, and I don't find that in that many people these days. I really appreciate that about you. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice of you to acknowledge. And uh, I think that's probably you recognize it maybe because you're the same. I mean, something I love about you is you will send me random messages every so often and just try to be encouraging and lift me up and check in. And, um, you know, and and the interesting thing is, you know, we've never actually met in real life. We have not. (laughs) We have not. And that will that will have to get fixed one day. Absolutely. You know, I have this weird thing about me where someone will pop into my head and most of the time it turns out that they need like a a hug or just a reminder that somebody cares or just some little thing. And and it's like 99 times out of 100, they reply with, I really needed this today or thank you so much. You know, this really just hit the spot when I needed it or something. So I used to not do it because I didn't want to bother people. And now I just go with it. If I, if someone pops into my head, I just reach out and that's all there is to it. 100%. Well, I have the same, um, I wouldn't call it weird. I'd say, um, we're both empaths. And so we feel energy from other people. We feel connected to people, um, whether or not we've known them. And like I said, you and I, we have many, many friends, uh, you know, in common and we're both creative souls, but, um, yeah, I think if you're tapped in truly, then you do feel people's energy. And so, and, and to your point, you know, never be afraid to reach out because the worst that someone can do is say, no, you know, everything's good, but nice to hear from you. But, um, it's so important to stay connected, especially now more than ever. So, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's something where I have, uh, I've really learned to spend no more than 10 minutes on social media per day Good for you. Yeah. I, I get on and I post and I'll check on a couple people. And sure. then I'll I'll be done for the day. And then the next day I'll get on and check on a couple of people. And, and that's about it. Um, right. It's weird because a, as a, a show host, I have to keep up on certain things. Absolutely. And I have to do research. But at the same time, I'm really trying to do it like hiding my eyes between my fingers and just squeezing them open enough to be able to see what I need to see without seeing everything. Right. Sure. Sure. No. And social media is fantastic for many, many things. Um, and 
you know, I mean, you and I, I don't, we would not have met if it weren't for social media. I think that was how you initially uh, reached out to me. I think you were working on a book, if I remember at the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, you know, I'm a naturally skeptical person, even though, you know, I'm super, you know, loving and generous. That's the New Yorker in me. I'm always like, hmm. So I check people out and then I say, oh, OK, well, uh, everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. So he's good. Well, yay. <laughs> I'm, and I'm glad but, that you did, because I, I have really uh, I've really greatly appreciated our friendship. And um, you're you're just one of those people that I know how much you put into what you love doing. And in between that, you've got a family, you've got a business, you've got all this stuff going on, but you're also pursuing your dreams. Right. And absolutely. I, I love when people do that because I feel like it's easy for people to let life get in the way of the things that they want to do. And then they start saying, well, if I would have started when I was younger, maybe I would have done it. There's no ever right. no time to not start doing something that you're passionate about. Absolutely. I agree with you 100 percent. And you you really go for it. You really work on you take classes, you go out of your way to put yourself out there. You do all the things that people need to do to become successful. And and again, that's another thing where I see a lot of people just saying, well, I auditioned for a couple things and I never heard back. So, right. Well, let's talk about that. That's um, that's a great topic. And that's something that I spend a lot of time talking to people about. Um, and, And, you know, I'm by no means an expert. Um, but like you said, I'm passionate. And if I do something or I feel that something is worthy, I typically go, you know, a hundred plus percent into it because I think that's the only way that's the only way to pursue it unless it's a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with pursuing any type of art as a hobby. You know, sure. I have many friends that yeah dabble in painting for fun. You know, they just say, oh, it's fun. Or, you know, maybe they are retired or they have a little extra time and they decide they want to, you know, be an extra on a movie set because they think it's fun and you know they they just yeah they get a kick out of it and there's nothing wrong with that either um but to me if you have a passion or or you have a calling i mean that's truly how i feel i think we are called um to be artists and creative souls and storytellers um so you know i am an actor but that's how i feel i feel like i'm a storyteller and i'm a creative soul and um that is what i was called to do so it's important to make sure that, yeah, if you decide to go that path, I think you have to do everything possible to make sure that you're giving yourself the best opportunity, you know, to be able to do what you love and what you're supposed to do. And I think in acting, you know, you hit a nerve. Um, a, a lot of people ask me that question about, you know, well, what what helps an actor be successful or, you know, what's the pitfall? And certainly, you know, talent and ability and training, you know, which we'll get into later is super important, but I think, and, you know, I have no data to support this, but from what I have observed, um, I think most people quote unquote fail because they don't understand that, you know, this is a business. So they work on the show part of show business, but not the business. And if you don't really have a plan and treat this like I treat this like it's my own company. That's how I feel. I feel like I'm an entrepreneur and this is a startup company. And, you know, um, you know, being a small business owner myself, you know, my husband and I have a company. I know what that's like. You have to be so dedicated and you have to, you know, invest in your marketing, in your training, in your materials. Um, you have to have a strategy, you have to have a goal, you have to have a plan. And that truly is like running a business. And I know for a lot of creative people, that's really difficult because our brains are not necessarily wired like that naturally. 
Um, and my brain isn't naturally wired that way either. Believe me. I mean, if you come to my home, I, I, I have no shame in telling people, you know, I, <laughs> I have piles everywhere in my home. I, you know, I have things written on scratch pieces of paper all over my house, all my brilliant ideas, you know, I have clothes strewn all over the place. Um, you know, I love to create things and I love to start things. I don't necessarily love to, you know, finish them, right. but, yeah. but I've disciplined myself to do all those things because if you don't, then you can't, uh, you know, and when I say make it again, that that's the definition of that is different to for every person. But for me and for many actors, I think like my goal is to, you know, have to um, be a working actor and and have a career on television and in movies, particularly. Now, there's a lot of other things that, you know, I'd love to do voiceover and just delving into. Um, but that is my primary goal. And I want to do like network TV or, you know, like, um, you know, streaming. It could be, you know, Amazon, Netflix. But I want to do that level of projects. Mm-hmm. Um And in order to do that, you really have to, like I said, make a plan, treat this like your business and, um, you know, be super organized and committed to it. And so that's the advice that I I always try to give to actors, because I've met so many brilliant actors that I'm just blown away by their talent and their ability. But when it comes to the business of acting, um, they fall really short and then they wonder why year after year goes by and, you know, they're not getting any closer to their goal. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, uh, there's times when I wish that I would have been in this business back when it was, you, you have a certain level of talent or level of, of, that you've achieved. And then you find a manager and the manager handles the business and you just be the artist. I really Mm. long for that so much. Because mm. I find it difficult that, uh, you know, I, I don't get to spend near as much time being the creative because I'm being the business person to allow me to be the creative. Uh, interesting. So do you handle everything yourself? Like um, when you, for example, um, you know, when you create, I, I want to say like mental sauna or, you know, like when you create a piece that's going out in the world, do you have to do everything yourself? You do the creating, composing, marketing, distribution, like everything soup to nuts? Yes. The only thing that I do not do, um, you know, if it's just a single release, I'll do it myself. But if it's an album, the only thing I do not do is the artwork. Uh, my, oh. my friend Kelly at outside the box dot photo has done all of my album covers for the last few years. And nice. she does such great work. And then Rebecca pool, um, she does all the lettering and, uh, those, those two handle that I do the approvals. Um, but that's the only thing that I don't create. All the marketing, the financials, everything else is 100% me at this point. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, so you get it. You understand how you have to, like I said, you have to have that balance where your your mind just wants to be creative because that's the fun part. That's the beauty. That's what gives us joy. But you have to discipline yourself to to focus on the business and the nuts and bolts. Otherwise, to your point, you could have written all those beautiful pieces, but they wouldn't have gone anywhere. Well, yeah. And, and it's the same as an actor. I mean, you could be you could be the, the best monologue delivering actor in the world. Right. But if no one ever sees you deliver a monologue. Right. It's completely irrelevant unless you're only right. doing it for your own joy. That's that's different, right. like you said. And I agree with you. I think if you want to if you want to be a hobbyist in anything in entertainment, that's fine. We need right. people to be background people. We need Absolutely. people to support, you know, Um but for those well, background people, actually, interestingly enough, I, I feel for background actors right now because of COVID. I'm not sure what the 
future holds for them. But, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I always thought that um, individuals that did background work typically did it because they, you know, had to pay the bills. So, you know, they were doing background. But, you know, without naming names, I've recently met people, including a friend of mine who moved from Arizona to L.A., who that's her thing. She just wants to work background. And she said she gets joy from it, it pays her bills, and she has no aspiration to do anything else. So I thought that was super fascinating. But That's awesome, um, though, because there we need people to be carpenters. We need people to be set designers. Right. We, we don't yes. need everybody to be a visual star. But we need all that support because without an electrician, you can't shoot a movie. Without a gaffer, you're not shooting a movie. That's right. Hey, you know what? I want to I don't want to forget something that you just said about um, I think you said, you know, you can be a person who delivers a great monologue. Mm -hmm. But if no one sees it, it doesn't go anywhere. And, um, you know, it's something I'd love to to chat about because I haven't really heard too many people talk about this. But. Again, you know, because I do reach out to a lot of people and I connect and like if I see someone's work, you know, so um, I I believe in training. Uh, that's a, a big thing that, you know, I'd like to talk about later, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe like if you want to be an actor, if you want to be a professional actor, you have to coach like an Olympic athlete or like a professional football player or, you know, anything. And I don't know why, but, you know, a lot of people, when they first get into this industry, they just feel like, oh, I can, you know, be an actor. It's so easy. Right. Oh, (laughs) right. And uh, or, you know, yeah, I got booked on a couple of little short films or indie films and I, you know, nailed it and it was great. And so, you know, I'm I'm going to catapult myself to Hollywood now. Um, And they do not realize the level of commitment, the time, the hours, the discipline that is required, you know, to really perfect this craft. Um, so I have a couple of different coaches. Um, my primary coach is Billy Hofsey, who is amazing. We actually started an acting school out here in Arizona. Um, and, and I'll, I'll just uh, interject really quick, if you don't mind, for those of you who are wondering why that name might sound familiar, he was on the original show on television, Fame. Yes, he was. And he was a very talented uh, actor and dancer. And he's a, he's a really nice guy. Like he really cares about, getting people uh, into auditions, helping them pass those auditions. Like he's, he's a really dedicated actor. Absolutely. Very passionate about what he does now, which is um, he wants to help people live the dream that he once did because he knows that, you know, he certainly talented and worked very hard, but also, you know, very blessed and lucky. So, um, so, you know, everything is online now, which is wonderful. So I have like a community and, um, you know, the best acting coaches will create a community of actors. And the reason it's so important for us to all continue to study together consistently is because we know each other. So we know each other's habits. We know, um, you know, we know how to talk to each other and we create a support system because without a support system, you know, it's very hard to stay positive, you know, and make it in this business. Um, so I see a lot of his students who, again, are phenomenal performers. And whenever I see one of them, you know, do something phenomenal, you know, I I try to go out of my way to tell them because again, you know, we don't give each other enough positive feedback and they do the same for me. And something that a phenomenon recently that I've um, discovered, which is just something I'd love to talk to you about is how so many performers, even though like social media platforms are out there and, you know, there's Instagram now, there's Twitter, there's Facebook, a lot of performers, a lot of the best performers, and I'll prove this by that, are so shy and afraid of putting their work out on social media because they're so afraid of judgment and rejection. And and um, at the risk of sounding a little controversial, I will tell you, 
person, this is just my opinion, but I have found that a lot of actors that are maybe not as experienced or not as polished or not as talented have no problem putting their stuff out there. You know, they, they just think, you know, oh, I'll just record something. And, you know, if, even if the quality's not great, because I think it's great. My brother told me it was great, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. and I'll throw it out there. And, and, you know, God bless them. I think that's great because you just never know. In this business, there's uh, the element of luck as well. And you just might be in the right place at the right time, have the look that someone wants mm -hmm. and get booked. Right. But do, um, you, do, I, you, do you think that part of that, though, is because once you've attained a certain level where everything that you do gets judged, when you come out of a coffee house, the way you're dressed is going to end up on social media. You have to have a publicist on call at all times just to, you know, to be able to handle anything that comes up. Do you think that that level of achievement, I, I don't want to say success because success really mm -hmm. is different sure. for everyone, but that level of achievement and public scrutiny really does become an issue with your career. Do you think that kind of plays into it a little bit? Um, you know, it probably does, but I'm, I don't even think I'm talking about at that level. Okay. You know, this is, this is like the, the irony and kind of the conundrum because, you know, in order to like for a person, like I'll just use myself, you know, I, I work hard. I feel like, you know, I, I have a lot of ability and passion. Um, but you know, my goal right now is to get my name out there, right. To get in the proverbial door, you know, get into the auditions, try to, um, you know, book work and get a name for myself. Um, so, you know, one of the ways to do that right now is by, for example, posting your monologues, posting your scenes, posting what we call uh, self-tapes, which is um, what the norm is now, where instead of auditioning in person, you receive a script and you tape yourself at home and, you know, you submit that to the casting director. Um, but I feel like and I've seen, like I said, some of my classmates, for example, do brilliant work, Scott. Like, I mean, I watch a scene and I'm, you know, laughing the whole time or I'm um, reduced to tears. And, you know, even myself, I've received you know compliments and feedback from my peers of the same. But I think it's just so fascinating. I, I think a lot of artists, including myself. So I'm guilty of this as well. Mm -hmm. um, we're perfectionists. We're self-bullies. And we were never um, quite happy enough with our work. So like for myself, I'll watch something. You know, I always tell people I'll, I'll you know, lay down an audition and, you know, I'll, I'll do as many takes as it takes to get to the one that I like. And then I'll watch it and I'll just start instantly, you know, scrutinizing everything and I'll find all the things I don't like about it. Um, and then it takes me a while. Sometimes it takes me a day to. Um, you know, the same thing happens when I watch myself in a film, you know, I do a film, whatever it screens, I'm all excited. I watch myself. And at first I'm cringing. Oh, you know, why did I do that? Sure. And then after a day or two, I'm like, okay, I step back. And then I'm like, oh, okay. I like that. I accept that. But, um, it's interesting. So I do think it is somewhat of a fear of, um, you know, judgment. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there, people use the word haters, you know, especially on social media, there's people that troll that are just negative that will always find something. But I think a lot of creative people self-bully and we beat ourselves up and we think we're not good enough or our work isn't good enough. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a vicious cycle because we have to put that work out there, you know, and then let's say we get brave and we put something out there and people are like, oh my gosh, I love that. Then it changes our whole perspective. We're like, oh, you did, you know, we're so happy. And so 
I always say there's two things, you know, what I think when it comes to performers, my philosophy or something I've grown to believe is that it really isn't about me. All that I'm talking to you about is my ego, my fragile ego. And what I do is not for me, it's for the audience. And what you do, Scott, right, when you create a piece and you perform it, it's really not about you. Now, it's great if you enjoy it and you're proud of it. That's super important. But it's it's about the audience. It's about the listener, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So if I love one of your pieces, then that's really what's important at the end of the day. But if you don't release that single because you're scrutinizing your own work too much or you don't think it's good enough, then I'll, I'll never get to hear it. And I have found this phenomenon so much with actors. And again, some of um, the best actors that I've seen out that, that I know or, or that I have confidence if they just were seen and they could just put their work out there, you know, they would have a chance, you know, to get an agent, to get a manager, to have casting directors look at them, to be on TV. Um, but, you know, somehow we, we hold back. Is that um, something that resonates with you at all as oh, a creative? Yeah. Or? Um, okay, <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's interesting because if I were if I were an actor, I think I would be a lot more shy. I'm as a musician, I don't perf- like I'm not going to go give a mental sauna concert because I may, could maybe do it at like a mattress store where everyone could fall asleep. <sighs> but uh, but I mean, I write other music as well. But um, I think if I were an actor it would be harder for me to not scrutinize myself. As a musician, I can say, I don't think that's the greatest song I've ever written, but I bet somebody Mm. else might enjoy it and still be able to put it out there. Mm, Uh, Interesting. I had a song like that. It was a song called Lullaby that I thought was, at the time, was the worst thing I had ever written. I didn't think it was a bad song, but I just thought there's, you know, I was writing a lot of rock and, and pop at the time. And right. this song just kind of came into my head and I wrote it and I gave it to a friend of mine and she uh, would play that for her kids to go to sleep. Oh, wow. So it had a purpose. And I just, huh. for me, it didn't work, but for her, it had a different purpose. And oh, I think amazing. that's the thing. Like you could, de- you could deliver a performance that for right. you might mean a certain thing, but somebody in the audience might latch on to uh, something that it reminds them of a memory, or it might be just there that they're in a certain mood when they hear you do it. And it just, it just grabs their heart. Absolutely. Whereas you, it might just be like, well, you know, I, I think I did okay delivering that line. And the, per- and the person in the audience is in tears and you don't even know why. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that's so important to remember. And so you know, I know for me, and again, if this helps, you know, any other performer, whether you're an actor or a musician or a singer, um, is to remember that all that, you know, that pain and that self-doubt, that's just, you know, you and your fragile ego. And you have to love yourself and remember that we're here to give our art to others. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think if you can be brave enough to share your work and then be able to take the feedback, you know, whether it's criticism, um, you know, just a helpful hint. Um, Because again, if you box yourself in and you don't share your art, then you're really holding yourself back and you might be depriving others, uh, you know, of the opportunity, you know, to, to have your gift. So, yeah, like like, you know, with actors, you know, when we watch a movie that we love or a TV show and we're so connected to the characters, sometimes a good performance really or a good story has the ability to actually change our behavior. You know, we watch a show where somebody has disconnected from a parent. Let's say they're estranged from their parent, you know, and then 
uh, you know, that parent dies and they never have a chance to reconcile. You know, it touches us in a, in a way, even though, you know, it might not even be our exact situation because it could just remind us, wow, you know, life is short and I'm holding on to all this anger for someone. And, you know, I really need to try to tell that person how I feel or forgive them, you know, before it's too late. And I think that that actually happens quite often. Um or it doesn't even have to be that serious. It could just be, you know, a matter of you you make somebody laugh. You know, it, people have rough, <laughs> life is complicated. And that's why, you know, people ask me, I love comedy. Um, and I say, you know, I think there's so much value in just helping somebody laugh and smile and escape, you know, the doldrums of life for a minute. Um, I, I think that's super, super important and and not to be underrated. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and as an empath, that's certainly something that we're always trying to lift people's vibrations. And if we can mm. give somebody a, a piece of art that's that to say, hey, sit down, just focus on this for a half an hour or whatever, um, it will make you it will raise your vibration. It'll make you feel better. Yes, you're still going to have to deal with whatever's making you sad, but this right. will make it easy, easier to deal with that sad thing. And right. I, no, you are dropping so many nuggets of, of great wisdom here. I love this. <laughs> and I knew you would. This is why I wanted to have you on the show. But how do you like I, I have what I call the lasagna theory. Hmm, and that okay. is I do not want to be 98 years old, laying in a nursing home, having an IV of lasagna going into my arm, looking mm. back going, what if I would have just and then right. fill in that blank. Whether what if I would have tried harder? What if I would have put more effort in? What if I would have right. dedicated myself more? I don't want that to be my end. So sure. for me, I want if I if I don't get where I want to be, I want to look back and go, I did everything I could think of, and I put in every bit of effort I could think of to do right. get where I want to be. Right. That I can live with. What I can't live with is the I didn't try hard enough. Right. Interesting. The lasagna theory. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> I don't I don't know if they actually do design a lasagna with an IV drip, but it's just an idea. Yeah, not that I know, but, but they, probably know pure, of, yeah. do, they, they probably do puree it and, they could. and, and feed it to you. But right. I would yeah, not no, want I, I, that. I'm with you 100%. And the thing is, um, you know, to get philosophical on that is we don't have control over the outcome. Right. So you and I can do everything possible. You know, like I said, I train, I'm in class, you know, three to four, sometimes five days a week. Every day I have a script in my hand. Um, you know, I am trying to keep up with, you know, the industry. Uh, you know, you have to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. Exercise, eat right. You now you have to take care of your family. You know, I have a beautiful husband and a son and, you know, an extended family. I have, um, you know, I have my company. You have to kind of, juggle so many things um but you can always make time and you can always um you have to prioritize what's important to you right and again if um you know if acting music art is your passion you have to make the time for it and and to your point you have to go a hundred percent or or don't um or pick another i guess pick another goal pick another outcome but I think honesty, you know, what comes to me is like being honest with yourself is super important. Um, and, and then just holding yourself accountable. And it's tough, Scott, because it's like I always think that it's such a the 
it's such a delicate balancing act because sometimes I go too crazy. And I think a lot of artists, like as we're very intense people, right? So I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, um, my husband and I, we just bought an RV because, you know, COVID is here and it's, you know, we're bored and we want to be able to travel, but stay in a safe bubble. Mm-hmm. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we bought an RV. And so my husband was anxious to take it out on the road a couple of weeks ago and, you know, test it out and look for a, a few campgrounds. So he and my son went out uh, exploring up in northern Arizona for a couple of actually just overnight. Um, and so I was alone in the house. So um, I obsessed obsessively started taping all these monologues and scenes that I had wanted to work on and these like deep emotional pieces that, you know, I kind of needed to be in my, my own head for. Um, and I was just obsessively literally taping for hours and hours and hours. And then I remember calling my husband, uh, I don't know, maybe 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, I just can't get this piece right. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was starting to go down that black hole. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I started out going, oh, this is great. Oh, I'm doing really well until, you know, then I was like, I can't do this. This is terrible. Why can't I hit this note that I want? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he was like, well, have you been recording, you know, this whole time? You know, maybe you should take a break. And I was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't take a break. That's not what I do. I have to get it right. You know, and I, I often do this to myself. And I think many of us do, you know, maybe I'm a little more intense um, in some ways than but but, um, you know, it's that balance. And then I sit back and say, okay, why am I obsessing? You know, why am I now I've gone overboard. My performance is definitely not going to get any better because now, I'm, you know, in this heightened state and uh, I'm not being nice to myself. So, you know, how do you pull that back? You know, meditate, do something kind for yourself, you know, relax and convince yourself that tomorrow is another day and that you did enough for tonight and, you know, just take a break. I mean, does that ever happen to you? Like if when you have a peace in mind and like, you just know it's not quite right and it's not quite where you want it to be. And you just want to kind of keep nailing away. <laughs> I, I feel like you're speaking directly to my ridiculousness because I will sit I think there. This is many creatives. This yeah. is, this is, this is the gift and the curse of being a creative. And to your point, you know, um, wanting to do everything possible. Um, sometimes, you, you know, you can go too far and then it, it becomes counterproductive. So it does. And it, and it actually becomes more of a detriment because then you get frustrated with that piece or that monologue because you're not nailing it, even though, you know, you're beyond that point where you should have stopped. Like I, right. I typically work until I can't visually just see anymore. And then I just save everything, mm. shut it off and go to bed. And then I wake up in the morning going, I should have stopped half an hour ago because that mm. last half an hour was a complete waste of of effort. I didn't get anything done. Um, I'm more frustrated with my performance now. And I'm the worst person for, for doing it. But I am the first person to give the advice is just walk away. <laughs> right. Like just walk away for five, 10 minutes, the rest of the night, whatever you need to do, work on something different. But you're not if you're not moving it forward, you're not most of the time you're not helping yourself. Now, the caveat I would say with that is that I think that is an excuse that people can use not to work hard. Hmm. Interesting. Not to really push themselves. So say say more, say more about that. What specifically just because I think I think people that that want to feel like they've put the work in, but don't really put the work in will Hmm. find those excuses as to why they shouldn't keep working. I think oh, it's okay. one of those things. That's, it's like an out that says, well, you know, this is probably a time I should walk away when they haven't even gotten halfway up the stairs yet. 
Got you. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Well, I wanted to ask you, though, because you had mentioned about, you know, being hard on on ourselves, and and we definitely Mm -hmm. are. But how do you find that balance between being critical enough to say, here's what I need to improve on, Mm -hmm. but not being mean to yourself or um, beating yourself up over not being perfect? How do you find the balance in that, that that keeps you enjoying what you're doing? Because we could beat ourselves to death. Right. I mean, that's a great question. You know, I think for me, I realize that that's something I have to work on just as hard as um, everything else. So, you know, for me as an actor, my kind of toolbox, my, you know, my routine is, like I said, you know, train every day. Um, you know, make sure I'm tapped into the industry, you know, check out audition sites every day, um, you know, keep myself healthy, the whole nine yards. But I realized that my mental health and my self-esteem and my confidence was an area that I had really largely ignored and didn't realize how critical that was to, to my ability to take it to the next level. Um, and it's probably true for many people, again, because I talked to so many people, I could tell you that, that I know that for a fact, but I'll just speak, um, you know, on behalf of myself right now, I, I realized I had to really put the work in there. And that's hard because a lot of times, again, people like us, we neglect ourselves, right? Even though we're pushing so hard and we want it, we, um, we don't realize that, you know, that self-care is so important. And I'm one of those people, unfortunately, you know, years ago, I used to say, oh, you know, that's all mumbo jumbo, you know, that self-care talk. Yeah. <laughs> that's all yeah. I'm doing. And I did not realize how important it was. I was like, of course, I love myself. Of course, I'm doing all the right things, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first step for me was just admitting that that was an issue and then realizing how important that was to my personal success. So I'll tell you just in the past, you know, maybe just three years working on my confidence and um, drowning those self-sabotaging voices was a huge factor in my ability to be able to move forward. Um, Yeah. So I think it's just, you know, every day and, and I guess it's different for everyone. For me, I talk to myself a lot. And the other thing is, again, I well, and you know, and I do believe in God. And so I have my faith as well, personally, which helps me. Um, because I realized, goodness, you know, like God didn't create me to hate myself. I, he created me, you know, in his image. And um, I should love myself. And I should be more kind to myself. And like, to your point, I this is all I advocate to other people. You know, so why do I why do I treat myself less than I treat other people? So that's something, again, I have to just remind myself of all the time. And and specifically as an actress, what's really helped me again is creating and being part of communities. So um, aligning myself and working with other actors um, and actors who are like minded, who are willing to give, you know, um, you know, because certainly there's a lot of selfish actors, a lot of selfish creative, a lot of selfish people in the world. Yes. So I try to stay stay away from those folks who are just all about themselves. Um, and these people I can count on. So, for example, um, just recently I had to I, I wrote a monologue um, for this um, Instagram. Um, it's not really a challenge. It's uh, an opportunity. It's, uh, you know, a wonderful casting director named Leah Daniels Butler, who offers this amazing um, weekly event called Monologue Mondays, where she invites actors to you have to uh, perform a monologue no <clears throat> no longer than one minute thirty seconds. You post it on your Instagram, um, you hashtag her, and then she goes on and takes a look and vets all the actors. 
And then um, if she feels like you're a good fit for her event, she will invite you to come on and perform live. So right on Instagram live. Yes. She's just one of the most generous, gracious, wonderful people I have met um, in this industry, just a true inspiration. But so I wrote this monologue and, you know, I was working on it and working on it and um, I didn't have a lot of time. I basically had you know a little over a week and a half, but you know, I knew I had this group of people who I could count on. So I performed it in front of them. I worked with my coach on it, which was great, but I could count on them not to just look at it and say, Oh, Sandy, it's good. Or, Oh, Sandy, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, they all took the time and gave me super specific notes. Um, You know, I like this part, but you know, here I wasn't quite feeling it or, you know, have you thought about doing it this way? And because they knew me, they also knew how to kind of talk to me in a way that, you know, I would understand quickly. Um, And I have a group of go-to people like that. Uh, And, you know, it's reciprocal, right? I would do it for them in a a heartbeat and they would do it for me. Um, And so having that community of people that have my back is also um, has been a great way for me, you know, to deal with the situation that you described Um, because I know that um, they will look at my work and and then I can be objective. And then I can say, "Mm, you know, these are people that, that sincerely want me to succeed and be better. Um, And so, you know, I'm going to take their advice, take their notes and just keep working on things. So that, for me, I think is so important. And I think that's related to what we talked about earlier is, you know, connecting to people like truly connecting, not just bullshit. Oh, here, I like your status. Oh, you're so great. Right. But truly connecting to other people who understand you, who believe in you, who have the same struggles as you, who can be honest with you um, about anything um, is super important to me. So I always recommend, you know, for any creative soul, you've got to find your tribe. You've got to find the people that you can count on. Um, that's the real trick, it seems, because, you know, you can find people that will give you feedback and you can certainly just grab some random people and perform a monologue and say, how does this make you feel? And, and maybe you'll get honest feedback on it. Maybe you won't. But to have people that understand the art, that understand what you're doing and will be honest with you. Right. Without, you know, and you can you can give feedback in a very nice and positive way and you can give sure. feedback like an ass, like I've seen people right. do. and. Sure. Uh, you know, it, 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 that's the difference is finding the people that you can count on. Like you said, your tribe, people that you can right. trust that are going to help you move it forward instead of saying, well, I wanted to be an actor and I wasn't. So I'm, I'm going to make sure she isn't either. Right. Right. But the other thing I've learned is you can't take things personally. So, um, you know, when I give someone feedback, it's because I truly want them to succeed. And you know what? My feedback might be bullshit or, you know, it might not be relevant. It's only my opinion. That's the other thing. Right. But. Um, you know, what I've learned is, again, if I write something, I want it to reach somebody, whether I want it to just make you smile and take you away from, you know, the doldrums of life for a minute, entertain you, move you in some way. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to keep trying to make it better. So if I take um, if I don't make people's feedback personal and I just keep trying to make something better to me, that's how you move forward in a productive and healthy way. Exactly. You know, and I, uh, I read, um, I beta read books for authors. Uh, mm. who, who else would I do that for? And, uh, I, I always tell them before I start with a new author, I'm like, look, I'm going to tell you everything that I think that doesn't right. work. It's up to you to decide whether it's appropriate for you to apply that note or not. Right. But if your goal is to really make your project the best it can be, 
you have to listen to all the feedback and then decide, okay, I understand what they're saying, but this isn't the direction I'm going in and not apply that. Or, wow, I didn't really think that that inflection would have affected the overall tone so much. So I really need to look at doing something different there. So all, all the feedback is valuable. It's a matter of what applies based on what you're trying to do, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the hard part. And then, of course, you know, like 13 pages into the feedback, I'm like, they're just they're never going to work with me again after they see this. Uh, well, but 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 it depends, right? Well, I don't know in your situation. Is that like a professional service, like where people are paying you to do that? Or is that like for your friends that are authors or both? Yeah, I mean, oh, I, okay. I, I I get hired to do it, but it's nice. It, but it, it but it all comes down to and as an author myself who has somebody who does that for me, you know, I'm working right. with an editor on my book. It is really hard to hear some of those things. But oh, yeah, it's Absolutely. never it's never nice to hear that you did anything less than a stellar job. But right. if you truly want to be the best that you can be, right. you have to be able to take those things. Right. Absolutely. But it's also in finding people that can deliver it in a supportive way. Right. Versus like, well, that sucked. Okay. Well, what didn't you like about it? Well, I just didn't like it. Well, that doesn't help. Like you have to give me something to work with, you know? Right. Yes, absolutely. No, that's awesome. But, but see, this is something, these are are good things that have come out of this hideous virus situation. Like this opportunity, this would have never happened. Had had people not been forced to, to slow down in the entertainment industry and start going, um, I need to do something in the business because I can't go right. out and make a film right now. I can only right. read so many scripts. I've got five projects already cast. I need to be doing something. Right. Yeah. So how did that? So how did this go when you when you did this uh, this challenge for her? How did that go? Um, you know, I mean, well, I think it went well. Like I said, Leah Daniels, she she's an extraordinarily generous human being. I mean, she. Every single actor that's come on um, to her monologue Mondays, she has, you know, tried if they don't have an agent, for example, she's tried to connect them with agents or give them advice on how to go about it. Um, You know, there were a couple of uh, beautiful young actors that performed and she said, well, you know, I'm casting for something and you would be a great fit. You know, send me your information and, um, you know, maybe you can audition. So it was just amazing for me to come on. I mean, I she was so generous with me. She laughed at the end of my monologue, which made me just feel like, you know, a million bucks, which was great. Um, So I think, you know, it went well. The other beautiful thing is that all the actors that come on uh, to the monologue Monday, you know, I don't know if you've ever been on an Instagram live, but you know, they type in comments. Now I couldn't see them real time because I was focusing on just performing and, and it's a little awkward because I don't know when, when you're on Instagram live, it's, it's funny. You have your phone there and then you can actually see yourself. So you have to purposefully look away so that that you don't end up like looking at yourself like in a mirror, which would, you know, totally throw your performance off because it's so awkward. Right. Um, So I, you know, just for the time I was doing my monologue, I just completely focused on doing that and not reading. But, you know, some of my wonderful friends and my new manager, you know, sent me some of the comments and said, you know, people were laughing and putting up all these, you know, laughy faces um and my monologue it was a silly little thing um about being in a in a bathroom so my character i was in a bathroom at work and um i look over and i realize that there's no toilet paper and i know it's like the only thing but it happens all the time sure, it's a real life situation yeah 
And so she has to ask a stranger to pass her some toilet paper under the stall. So people were like writing great things like, oh, my gosh, I felt like I was in the stall with you. And so, so you know, from that point of view, it was great. The other thing for me is just, again, as we talked about, it helped me get over my fear. Because at first, of course, I was like, oh, I want to do this. this is what a great opportunity. Then I was like, oh, God, I can't do this. I'm scared. You know? <laughs> what if it's not good enough? What if I choke? You know, what if I right, can't do yeah. it? What if yeah. I embarrass myself in front of this huge casting director? Oh, my God. So, you know, all of that anxiety when she and she was um, messaging me on Instagram, you know, asking me if I want to do this. And of course, I was like, oh, my God, she's, you know, messaging me. This is so great. And then, you know, the fear set in. So part of it was wonderful for me just to overcome that fear and realize, you know, what, even though you're still scared, do it anyway. Don't you dare. Don't you dare let your nerves or your fear stand in your way. No way. And and. In doing that, I know that I inspired, you know, some of my fellow actors who I've encouraged all of them to also do it, you know, because they shared with me the same thing. Oh, gosh, well, I'm nervous. And I said, well, so was I. But we do it anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, that's it. And if you you know, it's it's weird to me to think of an actor being afraid to be seen like as a musician right. who, you know, I, I've performed live. I've been on stage. So I get what that part of it is like. But with the stuff I'm doing now, like I said, it really isn't performable. So when I released this last album, I did a video series where I did uh, like a behind the scenes of each song. And I put that up on YouTube. And I had the hardest time just editing the beginning and ending of it. You know, that time before you start talking and the time after. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I just I just can't stand seeing myself in a setting like that. But as an actor, that's the whole point. I mean, you want to be seen. So it's kind of I get it, but it's still kind of weird to me that that people would be nervous about being seen when that's kind of the whole point. Right. Which it it is a conundrum. And and, and again, I think if you speak to almost any actor, they will instantly, you know, maybe ninety nine point nine percent of them will go, oh, yeah, I get it. But it's interesting because, you know, I think non-actors or, you know, civilians would would not know that phenomenon and would go really you know um that's crazy isn't that you know like your whole reason (laughs) for being and i think yeah it is but and but you know it's also like with singers right so um you know you see all these amazing uh reality shows now right like america's got talent and all and a lot of times they show these behind the scenes clips of, you know, when the performers are about to go, how they're struck with nerves and, and singers particularly, I know, um, really can suffer from stage writers, even if they've been performing for years. Right. Um, and we just don't realize it. And I always say, gosh, the beauty and the inspiration is that even though we still have that fear and the, the nerves that we don't let that stop us. And I think, um, you know, that is super, super critical. Yeah, I that's the biggest key to me. Be brave. For, be yeah, brave. Just yes. when you get the opportunity, you have to go for that opportunity. You can't you can't hide from it because if you hide from the opportunities, how do you ever expect to achieve that goal or, or live that dream? You can't do it. Exactly. But you know, one thing if anybody is listening, you know, um to this podcast that I needs hope to someone's hear it. listening to the podcast. Oh no, that uh, Scott, I said that needs to hear the Oh, message. there you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, that a lot of us are still fearful and nervous and have the doubt, but we do it anyway. So mm-hmm. that's always my message to people. Um, you know, that's to me, one of the definitions of being brave and being a performer, even though you're scared, you know what, it's okay, do it anyway. Um, because I think people think a lot of times uh, they'll look at somebody who's, you know, performed and they'll think, oh, well, you know, you must never get scared anymore. You must never have nerves. And that's not true. But again, it's, it's, so important, you know, as an actor in your toolbox, 
find whatever way works for you to get over those nerves and to not let them stop you because um, it is a performance killer. And, you know, to me, a lot of it is repetition. Like, again, because I'm in class all the time, I have a script in front of my, you know, in my hand every day. I have to perform my scenes all the time in front of people and be scrutinized. And be, the more you do it, the less daunting it becomes. Yeah. And I think you can use that nervous energy as a positive. For one, I would say if you're feeling nervous when you're about to do something, that just means that you care, that you Absolutely. want to do a good job, that you're there because you want to be, but you're you're afraid that you're going to mess it up because this is an opportunity. I think right. that's great because that means right. that you're alive. That means you're engaged. Um, that's true. I, I find it weird that a lot of the things I've done over the last few years that I don't get nervous at all anymore. And that almost scares me more because mm. I, I do like care. What? Like what, for example? When uh, I did a play a couple of years ago where I was on ah. stage the entire time. Right. Um, and I should have been like before every show, I should have just been shaking because like, right. I'm not an actor. I don't want to be an actor. I don't, I haven't studied. I'm with people that are like trained professionals, you know? Sure. Um, and, uh, thank God I didn't really have any dialogue, but, but, uh, but that should have been terrifying to me. And it, it mm. wasn't not even opening night. I, I just walked on, I did my thing. Um, and it scares me more because I started to think during the performances, why aren't I, nervous why am i so calm when this is so out of my wheelhouse i should well, just be I, I, I have some i have a theory about that which oh, possibly so two things i think one of the best ways to get over the nerves in addition to what we talked about you know finding tools to help you with your self-esteem is just is preparation right um preparation allows you to get rid of the nerves like you said you as a musician if you did have a i know you don't necessarily perform live so much anymore but if you did have a live performance or like when I go on set, if you are disciplined and you're prepared, then you know what you're doing. And even though the nerves still come, because that's like a physiological response, um, the minute you open your mouth or, you know, if you're a guitarist, you know, the minute you, you hit that first, um, you know, strum your first note, the nerves kind of start to disappear. So I know you, you're super disciplined. Like, so I think part of it is, you know, you were prepared, you knew what you were doing and that preparation is critical um, and that discipline. And the second thing is, I wonder if it's because like you said, you just said you're not an actor. So I think when it's something that is your actual discipline, you put so much of your identity and your self-worth into that, that it becomes so important um, and maybe because this was something that you did, I don't know what your reasons were. Maybe it was, you know, you wanted to do it. It was friends asked you to do it. Um, it was an exciting opportunity. But, um, you know, it was something that, you know, you may or may not have done again. You know, you weren't necessarily trying to create a career out of that. Um, you were allowed to enjoy it and not have that much pressure on yourself versus if you were an actor and you invited all your friends and said, well, I'm in this play. You got to come see me. You know, I'm always talking about what a great actor I am. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? Well, then you don't want them to come and go, Oh, he got, well, I, sure. I think that's a great point. I think the thing that I felt I had invested in was not for obviously my own acting career, because that's not something I'm, I'm pursuing, right. but was more that I wanted to make sure that the job I did supported the rest of my cast who yeah. do have acting and, and right. dancing and singing aspirations. Right. That was yeah. my biggest thing was I didn't feel like I belong. You don't want to let them down. Them. You, you yeah. wanted to be a great team player, which you are. And then, right. 
Yeah, it, it was like I I'm not I don't have the chops that these guys have. I haven't studied. I haven't done anything, but yet I'm on the same stage with them somehow. Right. And I I was more concerned about just being good to not take away from their performance. Right. You know, or or you know, give us a bad review because I did something that wasn't right. Um but I would I yeah, it's it's those are really interesting perspectives. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I will but because say, you care so much, I'm sure you did a great job because that's not it's it's not in your DNA to not do a great job, especially when other people are counting on you. That's just not you. Yeah, you're not thank capable you. of letting people down in that way. I know it. So. I appreciate that very much. I will say, though, the very first uh, real concert that I ever did when I was what was I 15, 14, I was 14. Um, I was terrified. So five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting up there to 50 now. Uh, but I, I was terrified. I mean, my heart was, Aww. was like, I, you, you would think that you could see it beating in my throat. That's right. how, how big it was. But, sure. but you know, I, I, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then I thought I committed to this. People are here to see this right. performance. I right. have to go out there and do it. And like you said, as soon as the first song starts, uh, like 10 seconds into it, you're like, all right, now I'm at home. Now I'm doing the right. part that I'm used that I rehearsed. I didn't yes. rehearse going out in front of a crowd. Right. I yes. rehearsed the performance, you know, and I think yes. that's a big part of it is that we focus so much on the actual art that right. we don't think about what it's like to have a camera in your face and 30 people standing there watching you and, and a clipboard, right. you know, or that, what do they call the, the clacker? Um, yes. You know, yeah. Clapboard, yep. yeah, we don't, we don't rehearse that. Right. Mm-hmm. We rehearse the scenes, right? Right. So now it's like, okay, well, I feel really good. Well, what are all these people doing here? I didn't realize right. there were going to be this many people. In right, there. right. And, and those are the things that then tend to distract us from that. So are, are there things that you would recommend to kind of learn how to get past that sort of fear? Um. So just um. so I understand the question, when you say that kind of, so it's about like what happens before before you perform like all the things that happen like when you're backstage or you're waiting or well kind of like when you when you are are going to set for the first time or it's something that you haven't mm-hmm. done a lot of and you know you've got your lines down you're ready to give right. the performance you've done the rehearsals you you get right. along with everybody but you go out onto set and there's all these people that are just standing there watching you and you've got the cameras gotcha. on it's like a whole different it's not what you sure. rehearse you know you rehearse sure. the lines ah Interesting. You know, I, I've never really thought about that. I think it's different. Um, I am a an extrovert for the most part. And, uh, you know, I, I get my energy from people. So when I'm around people, um, I, I come alive and it's a comfortable place for me, even if they're strangers. <laughs> um, and especially, you know, around creative people, I, I feel at home. Um, so I don't know that I've ever struggled with that part. You know, I don't have a fear of the unknown in that way. I I kind of love being in new situations and, you know, I'm a geek. I observe everything and I try to take everything in. Um, So I think it might be more of an issue if, you know, you're a person that is not so comfortable with change or something new. Um, So I think, um, I guess my best suggestion would be, you know, to be open about how you're feeling, you know, not, and, and maybe to, for those people that are nervous about it, to try to find one kind of ally on set, whoever that could be, could be, you know, the makeup artist who is usually awesome and helps put your mind at ease, um, you know, or could be even, you know, a grip 
somebody friendly because you know again film people typically even though they're busy and they're uh you know doing a million things i don't know i think they're just some of the most amazing people and try to find someone who is an ally um and you know don't be afraid to ask questions because i think that's the other thing you know if you're not so experienced that you that you're unfamiliar with that it's okay i mean obviously you were good enough to get on that set and the director and the producers everybody wants you to succeed so to me, it's better off to just open your mouth and say, hey, um, am I supposed to, you know, wait here or, you know, it's it's interesting, like new actors, we forget like that they sometimes don't even know the basic terminology, right? Like we'll say, well, you know, go to your one and they'll go, what? <laughs> <laughs> or like, what's that clacker thingy? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know, again, I, I've helped some um, of my fellow students uh, with self-tapes recently and I forget that they don't really understand. So, you know, we talk about the framing and, you know, the lights, and they don't, they don't realize that when I turn the light on, you know, they're going to be blinded for a minute. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, all those things, you know, the microphone, you know, I tell them when, when the, when the lavalier is on you, you know, you can't rustle around because, you know, we'll hear everything and you forget that people don't really know those basics. But I think the biggest thing is that it's okay to just ask because I think any good director is going to want you to ask the question and know what you're doing and feel comfortable in your space before you perform. Cause you know, again, uh, other than nerves, those are performance killers. You know, if you're worried and then, then you're going to, you know, I think in human nature, you're going to get insecure. Oh gosh, I don't know what that person, I'm gonna, I don't want to look like a fool uh, and ask what striking means. You know, I don't right. want to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to look foolish. And, and, you know, he's telling me, you know, what my frame is, but I don't really understand what that means. Um, I think the best thing to do is just have the confidence to ask because it's coming from a place of, I want to do the best job that I can for you. So I want to have all the information um, and then it puts you at ease, puts them at ease, and um, and then you can go on to have a good performance. So that's a great answer. I would say, in addition to that, the other thing maybe to consider is that you're there because they want you there. You've been through the auditions, you've been through yep. the rehearsals, you've done the chemistry tests. You know, you've you've yep. done, you've passed all of that. You're you have right. the job now, and that's right. because they want you there. And it, if anything should bring you comfort, it should be that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And to enjoy it. You know, one thing that, um, you know, you say, what what else is in my toolbox for helping me kind of get through is, um, uh, you know, the mantra is have fun. Like, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves and I'm sure you struggle from the same thing, right? Because I am a fun person and I, you know, I'm high energy, but because we put so much pressure on ourselves, sometimes we forget that, you know, this is fun. This is joyous. And, and, you know, once we've put all the work in and we've, you know, prepared, then, man, we got to allow ourselves to have fun and just enjoy it and have a good time because well, yeah, and we, that we deserve it. And, you know, we we get into these things because we enjoy doing them, right? You know, and and there's so many people that you know, if you can focus on why you got into it and you can keep that in your your field of vision when things, especially when things are tough, um, right? Capture that energy. Right. That will help you get through a lot of the a lot of it. Um, I, I, I knew the time was going to fly so fast, but I got a couple of things for you. So you had mentioned earlier um, about, um, you know, having to, to do it over and over again when you were working on your monologue that night. Mm -hmm. um, Ian Pace, I, I listened to an interview uh, who's the drummer of Deep Purple, and mm -hmm. he was saying that typically if you don't get it in the first three takes, 
you might be able to make it technically perfect, but it's not going to have any heart in it after that. Like mm. really, if you're filming something, if you're recording something, first three takes, if you don't get it, come back and do it tomorrow or do, right. it, do it later. I think that's a great rule of thumb because you do start scrutinizing things a little bit too much or like, I really like what I did on this in the first take and on that in the second take and on that in the third take. And you've right. got all these things that you're trying to assimilate. Right. Um, but I don't know how actors do that. I've, I've watched at the end of a rehearsal where the director will sit down and, and have this laundry list of notes and the actors will go, okay, I need to change that. Okay, I won't step in that room too fast. Okay, I'll take an extra step. Right. To the right. Like all these things. I'm like, how yeah. in the hell can you possibly oh. assimilate all of that and then just go into your next performance and change all those things that you've done as a habit right. and just make that different? I like, I just, I can't even fathom that. That's too much. Well, I don't know. I think that that's, again, part of the joy of it. Like when I... Uh, you know, even in class, I mean, if I perform a scene and then, you know, I get 17 notes, I write them down, you know, you have to be realistic. Sometimes you'll hit, you know, you might hit those 17, sometimes you might, but as an actor, which I think is different than being, you know, a musician, because musician, you know, you kind of have to hit the note, like, again, everything's artist fluid, but as an actor, you have to be directable and you cannot get married to anything. You have to be able to shift and change um, all the time. And if you can, and a lot of actors can't, especially again, more inexperienced ones. Um, and that's something that they really have to work on because, um, you know, everything is fluid. And even like I said, this conversation I'm having with you, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how it's going to go. And in acting, it's interesting. You have to be so prepared, you know, the character, but then you also have to be able to let it go and try to not know what your character is going to say. I know that sounds um, like a hypocrisy, but it's really not. <laughs> Well, but I think that's part of being in that character, right? Is if you're if you're in the mindset of that character, then you're responding naturally how that character would. Right. I think that actually can can bring out a better performance sometimes. It's when it, when everything is perfectly scripted and you're just reading the lines. I kind of feel like when and I'm you know you're movie, acting, right? Yeah. You know the person's acting. It's not. It's, it's impossible. It's not real. Exactly. Yeah, and so. I have a hard time. Like it just pulls me out of the story altogether if it doesn't right. seem. And you and I've said this before. You could take me on any journey you want to. I've seen Star Wars. I've seen Lord of the Rings. I've seen all of these things. Battlestar Galactica. Right. You could take me anywhere, but it has to be believable. Yeah. And then you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Right. But you have right. to keep it believable. And and when you can tell that an actor is not whether they're, where they're like delivering a line because they have to say it and it doesn't feel like it's something their character either would have said or or is being said in a way that's consistent with the way they've been throughout the project. It does pull me out. Right. One hundred percent. I'm probably yeah. a little more critical than the average viewer. I get that. Right. You know. Um, but I wanted to ask you too, when you're, when you're talking about, you know, these auditions and things that we could do now, uh, mm -hmm. where they're not in person. And I know that there was some, there were some that you could send in tapes prior, but do you right. think, especially as an empath, do you think it's harder to read the energy of the actor when you're just watching a clip or a tape of them doing it and you're not live with them? Uh, you know, maybe like five years ago, I might've said yes. Um, but now I would say no. But it depends. I guess the answer is depends. If the actor doing the tape is fully engaged and uh, they know how to do it, because it is an art now. It is an art and a science how to do self-tapes. And, and I highly encourage, again, any of the actors listening, um, 
for the foreseeable future, you know, with COVID, this is how we're going to audition. Even for commercials, mm -hmm. which, you know, in the past, it was really only theatrical for TV and movies. Um, you have to learn how to do it. And, and you could be in class and you can be, you know, rocking your scene and your monologue in your car. But unless you turn that camera on and you actually put that self tape or, you know, you, you tape your, your video or your audition, you, you're not going to know how to do it. It is a muscle and it is an art and you have to do it over and over and again to get better. And you will get better at it because, you know, in the beginning it's awkward. It's like, uh, it's just as awkward as like you said, you know, being on set for the first time. It's like all this emotion and, you know, really you're just talking to the wall right? Right, <laughs> yeah. because that's how it is in TV and movies, right? They, they mm -hmm. don't, you're, you're close up and you're cheating and you're, you know, looking at a piece of tape that the, you know, director and DP has put on the side of the camera um, for an eye line and you have to emote and, and imagine that you're talking to whoever it is that you're supposed to be talking to. Same with self-taping. Um, but once you get used to it, it's amazing. And so I think if you as the actor are fully um, engaged and connected and in the moment and doing a performance, you know, just as if you were in the room, then it will come across. I think that energy and that soul and that spirit um, will come across even if it's um, on a self-tape. And if you think about it, the same energy, it's the same reason why when, you know, we watch somebody on TV or, you know, even we watch a video on the phone, if that person was truthful and, and in the moment and real, it comes through. Mm -hmm. I would agree with right? that. I would think the challenge for, for the casting agent would be how many times did they rehearse this before they taped it? You know, when you, when you go in and do a live audition, you don't get a retake. You do whatever you right. do in front of them. And maybe sometimes right. they'll give you a second chance, but. Right. Well, that's the advantage that we have as actors. So I always say, you know, take, take full advantage. Um, but, you know, it's silly. And, and I, yes, you certainly could do a hundred takes. But to your point earlier, um, it's not going to change all that much, quite honestly. We think it might. And there might be one piece where we go, oh, and I've learned a lot. And again, and, and what I've, I've learned every casting director is different and they all have their own preferences everything but um something that i've learned from taking all these casting director workshops and and um and classes is that they know that it's not always going to be perfect and you know they realize that um you know even if your tape is not perfect if you are right for the role and you're good that's all that matters they're not going to go well you know scott's audition was great but you know at one minute 17 mm, man he really blew that <laughs> right, you know they're yeah. going to look at the overall knowing that you're directable knowing that you're going to get on set so and it depends sometimes you have the opportunity to send in two versions um two interpretations um you know the the disadvantage with the tape is that again you can't get live feedback in a redirect real time However, if you come close enough to what they're looking for and they like you, then you'll get a virtual callback. Um, and that's what's happening right now. So, you know, to me, again, you can be a pessimist or an optimist. I choose to always be an optimist and say, you know, thank goodness we all have this technology and that we're able to do this. I mean, people can audition literally from all over the world. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, you know, as long as they have a you know computer and, and now they're doing um, a lot of uh, live virtual callbacks, Scott. So um, there's different programs like Breakdown Services just came down, just came out with um, a new platform where it's actually like, it's, it's, you know, kind of like the same technology as Zoom where, you know, you're on live with a casting director and a producer. Um, but, you know, instead of being in the room, they're doing 
a live virtual callback. So you just, the actor is on their computer and there could be one person on the other end. There could be 10 people on the other end. Um, and so again, that's why I tell people it's actors, it's so important to learn how to use the technology because you don't want to mess up your beautiful audition and your beautiful performance because, oh gosh, I don't know how to use Zoom. I don't know how to use We Audition. I don't know how to use Breakdown Live. Um, I don't have a good internet connection. I don't know what the eye line is. I don't know where to look when I'm looking into my laptop. I don't have a, a, a tripod. Um, you know, I don't have a good lighting setup. You know, to me, again, there's no excuse to our earlier point. Um, with, with the downtime, this is what actors should be working on every day. And, and I've seen actors do brilliant things. I mean, they don't have a tripod. They stack up crates and a stack full of literal books and magazines. Um, and apple crates and whatever else is in their house. And they play around with, uh, you know, the, the eye line. Um, they use natural light sources. They grab lamps. They get LED lights, you know, whatever it takes in order to create this. There's no excuse whatsoever. And I, it really breaks my heart when I hear actors say, well, I don't have a lighting kit. Well, I, I don't have the budget for that. If you don't, that's okay. Use what you have but use something. Right. I think that goes back to what we started talking about, which was that passion. You know, if you're really passionate, you're going to find ways to make things work. And right. if you're, if you're not as passionate as you might think you are, you're going to make excuses for why you can't do something. Exactly. And it may not be perfect. No, but, but, but putting forth the effort to make it right. as good as it can be is the difference, I think. But exactly. also there's another there's other factors to the auditions, too, which is, OK, well, we have 10 people that we can hire that are all very good actors to do this job. Who do we want to work with? Who's somebody that that seems like they would be enjoyable or agreeable to work with on a set? There's so oh many other goodness. factors yeah. than just the uh, the acting part of it as well. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that that it's good that they do have the uh, the live auditions, though, because then they can really see who's good on the spot and not just right. who who cut together a good take you know uh i like right that. but you know that's a good point you said because personality and the ability to work well with others is more important than a lot of people think and not just in the acting world right i mean i was a human resources director prior to um, becoming an actress i worked for Citigroup in new york city um, and the same thing applies people hire and promote people that they like that right. are easy to work with in addition to having the ability and the experience and in acting it's the same thing and so i tell actors too you know, make sure you're presenting your best foot even on social media and everything. Because I think, you know, now casting directors and producers, they're looking to see who are you as a person. You know, yes, you're talented. We like you. But who are you in the real world? Are you somebody that rants and raves and, you know, <laughs> argues with mm -hmm. people and, and, you know, puts forth, uh, you know, has political fights on Facebook every day or on Instagram or on Twitter because that's not necessarily the person that we want to work with. So, Or that's exactly the person they want to work with because they know that they're going to bring an element of controversy that will hopefully true. drive ticket sales. I'm not, I'm not advocating to be that way by sure, any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Good but, point. But that could be, you know, certainly a factor. Uh, I, I look at, you know, I think the most classic example that we have recently is Katherine Heigl because I, I, I don't see a lot of social media but I right. constantly heard about how difficult she is to work with. And I can't say for sure I've never met her. I don't know her. I've never sure. been on a project. But I've heard that consistently. But yet she still gets jobs. Right. So either that's not really true or right. that's why they bring her to the table. That's true. That's true. And I love her as an actress, her performance. So mm -hmm. I, I hope it's not true. 
Yeah, I, I fell in love with her on, um, I think it was Under Siege, the one with Steven Seagal, where she was I think, oh, probably still like okay. a teenager. I thought she wow. was great. I thought this girl could really have a good career in front of her. Yeah. And she's a very talented actor. And and I'm not yeah. trying to to belittle her at all. I, I do oh, not no, know. No. Understood. Just saying what, what the buzz is out there. Exactly. Um, but before we before we wrap up, I do want to ask you about one other thing, because I think you're a, a perfect person to shed light on this with with there being so few projects for people to work on right now. And some people have been very creative and done like Zoom yes. movies and things like that. But there's yes. so much of that that we can see. Right. I don't want to see 18 movies that were done on Zoom. True. Um, how do you how do you keep going when you're used to being on set? You're used to, you know, being very active as an as an actress producing a product. How right. are you dealing with not having products to produce? Um, that's a really good question. Um I have just continued to create my own content. Um, you know, training, like I said, uh, I am blessed to be able to be in class, you know three, four times a week, which is great because again, it's discipline. I know I have to prepare scenes, you know, every day. There's not one day when I can go, Oh, well, I still feel like (laughs) working on my acting today. You know, I know there's, you know, I'm, I'm forcing myself to stay accountable. So that is super important. Um, I force myself to, you know, to, to write and to create content to, like I said, kind of open my own doors, create my own doors and not wait for other people to cast me in things. And I found that I loved it and I learned as much as I could about, you know, basically every part of production. Um, so, so I'm not a writer per se, but I do enjoy writing. And so I force myself basically to create my own content you know, to write monologues. Um, and I have like all kinds of ideas. That's the thing that I think you and I talk about, like I start a lot of things. It's not that I, I don't have the discipline to finish them. I'm just not sure how to execute them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, I came up with this idea. Now I don't book a whole lot of commercials, um, but I was like, you know what, again, now you have to be flexible in this new world. And I think that's super important too, right? You you have to kind of stay on, on trend and, and, you know, figure out how to open new doors for yourself. So I was like, maybe I can create a commercial, like a national commercial spot for myself and cast myself in it. So I'm, that's one of the projects I'm, you know, and, and it seems so simple, but it takes a lot of time because I'm thinking, well, you know, something like flow from progressive, right? What yeah. products could I sell that I'm passionate about? What kind of spot should I do? You know, should I do the warm, you know, doctor, pharmacist, mom, or, you know, should I be my goofy self? So I think I'm going to do something with animals because I'm super passionate about animals and I'm going to recruit my, one of my dogs <laughs> to be in these spots with me. There you go. That now that's That's a challenge. And a lot of people yeah. say don't oh, work yeah. with animals because they're so random, but hey, if you can pull it off more power to you. I know. And I'm that type of person, Scott, which I'm guessing you are too. As, as soon as you tell me not to do something, I'm going to try to do it. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> so, my response to most things is, Oh really? Well, let me show you. Watch me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, that's just one example of something I'm trying to do to, you know, to create my own content and to be strategic. Cause the reason I'm doing it is not just for fun. It's to say, if I want to be casting commercials, I have to show these casting directors, what kind of commercials am I the right fit for? Cause it's not just your talent and your look It's who, who are you the right fit for? Like Flo from progressive, she's perfect for that spot, right? You can't imagine someone else being in it. Now there's other actors that are very serious type, you know, so you can see them like, you know, um, hawking, you know, pharmaceutical drugs you know um there's others that are kind of goofy so you have to know who you are and you have to show people who you are so 
that's what I do. I try to be strategic. The other thing is I think you, you, um, so is I'm trying to teach myself how to do voiceover, not just teach myself. I'm taking classes also. Um, but because that's something that you can do during quarantine and, you know, voiceover is a part of everything these days. Every commercial you see, you know, half of them are, are voiceover with images. It's not even, you know, actors talking anymore. Right. Um, and, you know, there's dubbing. So it's created a huge opportunity. It's something I never really knew how to do. I did a little bit of it. Um, mostly like narration. So I am taking some classes. I've been going on a ton of podcasts. You know, the SAG After Foundation offers classes. I just signed up and became eligible to do that. Good. I just, um, I, I recorded my first voiceover reel. And, you know, so that's what I do. I look for new opportunities to stay productive, stay positive. And, and um, I, I think it was actually Leah Daniels Butler who who said this on, a, on one of her lives. And she said, Always stay ready. So when the industry opens up, you don't have to get ready. And I took that to heart. And so, you know, to answer your question, I hope I did. That's that's what I do. Just stay ready, um, stay positive, stay productive, and keep plugging away. I like that because I think, and and I I'm not saying this just to the COVID situation because I think the supplies in general is that people, a, a lot of people tend to start to get ready just before it's time to go. Exactly. You know, they'll, they'll be like, I'm right. just going to, I'm just going to watch the rest of the show. I know we have to get to dinner. I got time. And then five yeah. minutes before they leave, they're like, okay, I'll go get dressed. Right. You know, I think there's a lot of that. And, and I, I tend to procrastinate on things because I'm doing other things. Yeah. You know, like I might procrastinate on putting out a, 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 or editing the podcast because I'm working on this song. You know, right. but I think there's just a lot of that. Um, all right. Yeah, I, I know. So to be prepared to, hey, I've got the clothes already laid out. I've got an hour before I have to leave. So I'm going to go ahead and shower now, get dressed. I'll, I'll wait to put my shoes on until I leave. But, right. you know, I think th- that's the thing. Always be ready because you never know what could just come out of thin air. Right. Especially like, you know, even with these self-tapes, Scott, like I, I with the actors, I, I, you know, they must think I'm the biggest pain in the ass because I just tell people, listen, if you don't, we, we don't have auditions right now, force yourself to put yourself on tape. You have scripts, just do it. Because if you get that audition, then you're going to be like, oh, I'm so excited. Oh, crap. I don't really you know, remember how to do the self-tape or I'm not really good at it because I didn't practice. So there's so many things you can do. And again, with acting, you know, it, it is expensive to take classes, to get headshots, but there's so many things you can do for free. And and I just, it breaks my heart to hear actors make excuses. I, I can't stand when people make excuses because um, especially now there's so many free workshops um, and, and there's other actors that are willing to help. Hey, if, if you can't pay for classes, put a script in your hand, you know, get a group of actors together uh, and, and work on memorization, work on breathing, work on, you know, being in the moment, work on character analysis, whatever it is. There's a million things that you could do. But you got to be um, doing something. And, and I've said, I think, on just about every, every day, episode. right? Yes, exactly. Every day, not just, oh, once a week. Oh, oh, yeah, I signed up for that one day workshop on August 27th. Well, who cares? <laughs> yeah, That's not going to help you. Good for you on August 27th. But for right. now... But you're right. And I think and I've said this before on the show, I think every episode since COVID, if you're not utilizing this time to improve your skills in whatever field that you're in, you are really missing the boat because this is the time to do it. Right now, there's there are plenty of people that life has not changed. 
they have they've never stopped going to work. They've they've been a part of sure. whatever the industry is. So for for a lot of people, life is is not any really that different because of COVID. But but for those of you that have the time, utilize it because when is this ever going to happen again? I mean, right. maybe we, next year, but who knows? Right. I mean, the only caveat that I will say to this, and I know that you're going to agree with me 100 percent. I agree. Um, is <laughs> excellent <laughs> um, is that, you know, COVID particular and I'm talking about, you know, COVID particularly, um, you know, it has taken a huge toll on on many of us uh, mentally and spiritually. So, you know, I think it's also if you are typically a productive person like you or I, if there are days when you're just overwhelmed and you just need to take a break and, to, and focus on self-care and, you know, you can take a pause, um, you know, to take care of yourself or to reevaluate your goals, um, that's okay. And I think you have to give yourself, and again, I think it's okay because we are normally so productive. I think if you're somebody who's not productive and, you know, you're a big talker and you never take any action, then, then it just might be another excuse. But if you are a person who is consistent and committed and committed to yourself and your goals, but you find yourself having to take a little bit of a pause, then um, I would say by all means do it because, you know, we are only human and this is taking a huge toll on a lot of us. So I think that's my only caveat there. I disagree. No, I'm kidding. I don't. I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> I like how you said that though. I think, I think you're absolutely right. But I think that, that self-care is part of the art. Because if mm -hmm. you're, if, you know, I always go with the thing of if I'm being creative, then I'm happy, then everything else is falling into place and, and my right. life is perfect. And it's not. That's true. But, That's true. But that, that self-care is part of advancing yourself. As long as right. you're not using that as an excuse to not do anything, you know, here and there, yeah, absolutely, well you know, but you have to find a balance in there of being productive, but, but right. keeping that foundation. Like when I had uh, knee surgery some years ago, they said uh, on my way out of the hospital, they said, now I want you to take a, a grocery bag and put two soup cans in it and do a hundred leg lifts. And I went on mm. what leg? And they mm. said, the one that we just operated on. I said, you've got to be kidding me. You just dug around in my knee. <laughs> And you want me to exercise? And he says, you would be surprised how fast your thigh muscle Recovery, starts, yeah. starts deteriorating. And mm -hmm. it really is that way with, with not just our physical selves, but our mental selves, our skills, yeah. everything. You have, to, you have to work those out consistently, right. but you can't work out every muscle every day. Right. But to your point, it's like I tell people, like, if you were an NFL, you know, and I always use this example because it's, I don't know why, but it, a lot of times it's males that I have this conversation with. I'm like, you know, if you were going to be a football player, like you're in the gym every day, you're training every day. You may only play, I don't know how many hours football players actually are on the field every year, you know, or how many months, but you train every freaking day. Yeah. You're in the gym every day. You're an Olympic swimmer. You are in that damn pool every day. You're working out every day. You're eating right. So why is it any different if you're an artist? Right. It isn't. Yeah. It shouldn't be, right? Right, because in the off season, it's not like you're going to stop working out. There's no time off. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not like, okay, well, we won the Stanley Cup, so now I've got four months before I have to do anything. Exactly. So I guess I'll just watch every movie I've ever wanted to watch. No, you're in the gym every morning, just like it right. was during the season. Right, but actors are notorious for, um, and, and you know, again, I won't say all actors, but uh, you know, a lot of actors are notorious for having that mentality. 
oh yeah, you know, well, like I said, oh uh, yeah, I'm going to sign up for something next month or, you know, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even if, even if you, you don't want to record a monologue today, you know what you can do? You can watch a movie and you can watch how those actors work and how Study. the writing is. Exactly. And you don't have to physically do something to be able to move your craft forward. I can listen to music. I can listen to how Beethoven layered the horns with the violins and I can learn something from that. I don't have to be writing to learn something. But True, true. But with day. acting, I, I do think you do have to be up on your feet. Like I said, you know, if, if one day, you know, you're not, but you're thinking about it, or like you said, you're, you're working working on your package, your resume, you know, your, um, your branding, that's all great. But with acting, I do think you physically have to be on your feet saying those words. Cause again, I, I will tell you a lot of actors are like, Oh, well, uh, you know, I did this monologue in my home in the mirror, or, you know, I was in the, and, and we all do it. And it is part of what we do. Like when we're thinking about the character and the script and, you know, we're walking around our house, but if you don't actually stand there and perform it's not the. It's just not the same. You're, you're, you know. That's like saying, well, I'm going to be in, in a, in a, uh, you know, if you were doing your theater show, um, and you didn't rehearse at all, you just imagined how you. Were gonna <laughs> well, walk that's across. yeah. But actors do that. It's, it's really crazy. Or again, they tell me, well, you know, I nailed it in the car. I go, well, the car is not the set. The car is not the place. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. It's great that you nailed it in the car, but you know. Stand on your feet and perform in front of other people. Otherwise, you know, it, it's not going to work. And I love what you said earlier, Scott. I'm going to try to remember that about, about this being our happy place and this being part of the self-care. Um, I thought that was a great example. Like my husband, again, when, when I was stressing out uh, about a week ago, you know, he said, well, maybe you're making yourself stressed out because you're doing so much. And I said, no, I said, certainly, yeah, it, it can be stressful, but that's my happy place. That's where my joy is. So yes, I have to find a balance and, you know, know when to just stop for the day. But, but, you know, yeah, that's, that's my happy place. So yeah, and, and it, it's, it's the foundation of why we keep doing what we do. I mean, we could do anything. We could go play video games. We could play Dungeons and Dragons. We could go watch movies. We could do anything right. with our time that we choose to do. And we choose to do this because this is what brings us that joy. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Well, Sandy, awesome. you uh, you have just dropped so many nuggets of, of awesome information here. I cannot thank you enough Aww. for coming on the show. I think this has been a great conversation. I think that this will really help a lot of people. And it almost, it doesn't, but it almost makes me want to be an actor. Yay! <laughs> I'll I'll stay behind the keyboard and the drum set, but 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 no, I I really I really admire how dedicated you are, how much you put into it, and I I will say before we go, I will say that I think that you've really hit something on the head with the with the commercial characters because they're not just a family that appears in a commercial or a person that appears in a commercial. These are brand ambassadors that you're talking about, right. like Flo or Mayhem. Uh, right. Dean Winters has done an amazing job with me. Perfect. Uh, and and I, I knew him from Oz. I thought he was just such an amazing oh actor when I watched God, Oz. that show. I forgot about that show. That so was incredible. Well, I loved it because it was dangerous. Like every episode, oh, yeah. it Pretty. had stakes in it, right? Like they would just mm -hmm. take out a main character out of the blue and you'd just be left going, I don't know why. How did that, how could they do that? How could they just kick right. this person off the show? And that's why, the, and I've said before, I, I didn't like Breaking Bad the first time I saw it because you're talking about such a small group of people 
you know mm. they're pretty much all going to make it to just about the end, if not the end. And oh, then, that's so funny. You know, so yeah. there's no stakes in every episode. It's like a James Bond movie. He's going to be fine. I don't care that he's tied to a oh, board and it's funny. moving towards the saw. But but a show like Lost or uh, or or Oz, um, Anar- Sons of Anarchy, um, right. The Shield, all of those shows were like really intense because you really never knew where where they were going to take it and they had no right. problems breaking those barriers and i loved that right oh my god i just forgot about oz i'm gonna have to find it and watch it somewhere because i just uh, uh, wow <laughs> that was such a brilliant show i loved that show and i forgot that he was in that show yeah from almost i i, I don't remember if he was on the first episode or not but he was he was on pretty much every every show Right. Uh, and and his brother, uh, Scott Winters, in real life, played his brother on the show, played his brother, Cyril. Um, yeah, isn't that crazy? But yeah, some some talented acting. But but my point was the the brand ambassadorship now that we're looking at with some of these uh, companies, because right. you can you can make the, the product memorable if you start it as more of a storyline. So I, I would predict that more and more companies are going to start going to that format. Because they're going to see companies like State Farm or Allstate mm-hmm. or Progressive that are doing those kind of things really become memorable right. companies because of that right. storyline. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well I, mean, done. I, I hope so. <laughs> well, I, I wish you the absolute best. I know that you're going to continue to flourish just because you you care enough to do everything you can to make it happen. Oh, thank you. And the luck factor is the luck factor. Thank you. We Mm -hmm. can't do anything about that. But I will say this. If we don't do everything we can, then should a bit of luck come our way, it will pass us by if we're not ready to jump on whatever it is. That's right. That's right. Success is when preparation meets opportunity. That's right. So learn how to light your Instagram videos, people. It's not that hard. One light in the side, one light in the front, and you're good to go. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sandy. Please come back on the show again. You were just so much fun. I sure will. I sure will. Thank you for having me. You bet. You take care now. Okay. Bye. Isn't she just a gem? I mean, wouldn't you just want to hang out with her and train with her and learn from her and just be around that amazing energy? Uh, like she said, we've never met in person, but you can just tell by uh, talking to people, getting to know them over time, you get a really good sense of who they are. And, and she's definitely one of those people that I would love to work with any any time and uh, love to have her on my team. So she's somebody I'm definitely grateful to know and, and to have as a friend. So that is this week's show. I'll be back next week with a show and a new guest and all kinds of things going on. So thank you guys very much for joining me. Send in those album requests to scott at scotthaskin.com. Please remember to rate this episode or uh, you know leave a message on the podcast. Give it a rating on uh, iTunes. That'd be great. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you next week. Be safe. Take care of each other. Cheers. Cheers.